0: Come on in. Anticipating a wonderful message from our pastor. Thank you, Jesus. Come on in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Before we ask Pastor Peel to come up, I just want to announce that this Saturday is another men's breakfast. And these men's breakfasts that Pastor Roger has been putting on, with the help of his lovely wife, of course, and the men that do the cooking, have been phenomenal. And the reports we're getting back are amazing. Like 25 men on average, you know, having breakfast, sitting around a table, talking about men's stuff. Um, it's, it's invaluable. I, we take our hat off to you, Pastor Roger, because I think the hardest thing to get people out to is a men's meeting and a prayer meeting. And so you've conquered one. We're still trying to conquer the other one. But anyway, uh, let's see how we go. At least we're getting some people out. It's fantastic. So why don't we just quickly stand to our feet again and welcome our wonderful pastor. Open your hearts up for all that he has for you this morning. Thank in you Jesus' so name.
1: Much. Thank you, my love. Thank you, viewers. Thank you. Uh, just to let you know, we are being recorded these days. So, um, yeah. But in, in the worship, not the worship, but when I'm preaching. So, viewers, God bless you. Great full house today. So good. I anticipate the house will continue to fill. With people that are hungry and desperate for God, we're living in days where we really need um, we really need to come into the house of the Lord every week. Uh, this particular church, line by line, we are building into your spirit. We just don't come up with any old thing. We actually are layering in the word, and, and that is doing a number on you. It's like your gym instructor, amen, and purposefully dealing with love handles, if you've got those, or tummy fat. Um, anyway, we won't go there. It's a sensitive issue, I know. Um, but we are de- we're, we're absolutely serious about layering in the Word of God and, and to, to miss weeks. So if you can't be here, watch us on YouTube. Amen. So give the YouTube listeners a hand. Um, bless you. Awesome. Amen. Now, I'm going to hit the road running because we just had such a fun time this morning in worship. I tell you what, my Lord, I thought I was in a conference. <laughs> I thought I was at the presence 2000. <laughs> yeah, I thought, my Lord, is there a guest speaker coming today? Uh, what, what's happening? So, I want to declare this and for the record, I want to say, that yes, this message is called The Three Battlegrounds and I was going to preach the entirety of that message but I stumbled on one component of the message which is the battle of the mind. Who wants to know anything about that? Now I was going to give you, a, um, I was going to give you a Joyce Meyer version which is very pastoral and then yesterday the Lord apprehended me and he's challenged me to give a, a pr- more prophetic view because you've got the battle of the mind book I bet you're at home, the Joyce Meyer battle of the, the, the mind the battle of the mind, I should say. And so, I'm going to give a prophetic uh, narrative to this situation, which I believe is really uh, so pertinent to our victory in Christ. There is a battle uh, against us in the mind. And so, let me just start off, while you're standing, I want to declare that we are desperately trying to steward the encounters of God that we're having. And everyone knows that we've had a move of God in the church since early this year, and the Spirit has been flowing, the altar has been alive, the fire has been falling, and we are just loving it. And uh, so we believe that, um, that, yes, we are doing that because I believe that the Lord is preparing us for a great awakening, a great influx of, well, first on a rising of the church, uh, out of their slumber, to be the church in this hour. And then I believe there is a great awakening already happening. So God is preparing us for this great awakening. Can I hear an amen? So I believe that we're in a new era. Uh, and, and, and a lot of prophetic people saying that we're in this time of transition. Um, and it's for all the generations, the four generations, baby boomers, uh, Gen X, uh, millennials... Gen Z's, all those four uh, generations, we're, we're going to actually, which is quite unique, we're actually going to run all together. Wouldn't that be amazing? The Hearts of the Fathers... Returning to children, the children of the fathers, Malachi. You can see that in the last verse of Malachi. Uh, and, and if that doesn't happen, the Bible says there's a curse. Meaning, in, in real terms, when it says that word curse, there's an inability to bless that family, to bless that you know, community, that church, and, 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 our, and our cities. There's, a, there's a, an inability uh, is the right terminology for that. So we're in a new era, it's transition time. Who can feel that? Who can feel that? So revival, what is it? What's this heightened? That worship was amazing. Revival is God's work of, of restoration, bringing life to the dead, recovering what has been lost, and restoring the joy of our salvation. So let me just say this, in revival, God's presence and power are fully experienced both inwardly and outwardly. You can see that. So inwardly, the fear of God returns, repentance takes place, which is the most paramount message that Jesus announced in his public ministry. What did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand meaning my dispensation of grace and, and my the reality of my kingdom, the joy, the peace, the righteousness is there for you, but you've got to repent and acknowledge it, subscribe to it, and, and pay due respect to it in your lifestyle. So repentance is such a key. Then hearts are refreshed and the passion for Christ is ignited. Who's Hearts have been reignited, amen. So outwardly, the miracles are there, unusual signs and wonders take place, the power of God is moving. In revival, an unrestricted outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the people occurs in such a way that it renews your passion for God. And a fresh perspective towards life is born within those people and amongst that generation. Do you love this, Colleen? You love this talk? Ultimately God's righteousness, truth, truth, and knowledge abound, resulting in a pure relationship from the people to God. And that is I that is exactly what I believe is happening. So talking about transition, the Lord would say this, and this is what I felt, and this is why you're standing The Lord would say to you, you people that feel like you're in transition, you're coming out of a valley, you're coming out of a funk, but you're going through a valley, you're going through a hard place. The Lord would say to you, I'm rewarding those who have sought me in the secret place. Amen? Those who've walked through the barren wilderness, the hidden ones, they will step into the fulfillment of my promise. And I want to declare to you, the Lord would say, I will restore your joy. I will renew your call. I will reignite your passion. I will remantle you. I will reclothe you. I will realign you. I am releasing you into my fullness. What is that? Christ-likeness. Amen. I am bringing release 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Now, Father, we come before you right now. Lord, every victory that we have in you, we need you. Every victory we need is found in Christ Jesus. When we trust you as Lord and Savior, our lives are no longer our own. We are temples as we sang in that song. Lord, we are desperately trying to cleanse our temples of our mind, of our heart, of our soul, of our life. Lord, This body belongs to you. It was purchased by your blood through the cross, through the sacrifice. In him, we have all the victory that we need. Amen? So, Father, we ask for that anointing to come upon us now. That, Lord, that you would speak to us through this message. And that, Lord, that you would cleanse our minds and the saints say, Amen. Amen. God bless. You can take a seat. So many Christians are still gripped. Let me declare, let me just say, there's one aspect of the battle of the mind. Now, when I say battle of the mind, I mean little strongholds in the mind. They're like little castles, dark castles. So, if your mind, if we could look at your mind and look out that window out there and look at the, the beautiful, well uh, serviced um, lawns, by the way. Give it up for the, the team that are maintenance. Oh, my Lord. But if that was your. Mind, and we were to look out, peer up, lift up the blinds, and we could see something dark, like a dark castle, like a like a stronghold um, th- that would be something in your mind that has been conjured up, that has been put there, brick by brick by your thought life, or any traumas, or any betrayals, or anything that has happened to you that has caused you to form something that is almost impenetrable by the Word of God, and by even coming to church every Sunday, even giving your tithe, and even worshipping so wonderfully as we did this morning, seemingly there's a stronghold of thoughts that seemingly have not been dealt with. Do you know what I'm saying? Which allows you to react and say things maybe that are quite adverse and sometimes embarrassing And but to have a stronghold of doubt even, to have a stronghold of unbelief, a stronghold of, of um, offense even. So there's many strongholds that can be in the mind and this is what we're talking about this morning. But I want to talk about one just quickly, just to give you some perspective. What about this one, the spirit of failureism? I mean, failure. You think you, you just feel that you're just failing all the time. But I want to say to you, you are anointed to win. You are anointed. Listen to me, young people. You are anointed to win. I know this world's really beating up against you and beating down on you. But you are anointed to win. And what happens, the thought process created when we fail, when we allow ourselves to continue that cycle, that little cycle in your mind, in your heart, it it creates a stronghold. How the spirit of failureism manifests is how smaller demons, I have to mention these words because they're real, infiltrate our lives and attach themselves to this stronghold. Do you know what I'm saying? Is it okay if I speak to you like this? Amen? How the devil uses lies and deception to make failureism a way of life is something we've got to be aware of. How to be set free is definitely the wisdom that we need from this demonic stronghold that can form and we need wisdom to do that. So, as children of God, we do fail a lot. We, we, we got to, that's the way things are, like sport, exams, we're always failing in some way, but you can, you can negate the sting, you can negate the hurt, you can negate the negativity that could be a residual value in your mind, causing you to have doubt now and lack of confidence. So, Course, but you don 't want to walk in your past mistakes. who wants to do that? Amen, No, we are anointed to win. so let me declare to you Romans eight hundred thirty seven yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What did I say We are more than conquerors Romans five seventeen says and i won 't read the whole scripture out, but it says, we can and we are called to reign in life, not crushed by the circumstances or the doom and gloom. We used to have a cartoon in the 60s, Batfink. You wouldn't remember it, most of you people. And he used to say, it was this superhero bat, and he had wings of steel. And there was a part of the the, the song uh, lyric that says, my wings are uh, uh, made of steel. Uh, uh, I'm impervious, basically. He used to put his bat wing up like that, and he was impervious to any assault from the enemy. I've lost 85% of the church. The baby boomers know what I'm talking about. By his death and resurrection, God has done everything to ensure that the power of this new life that we have, that is working within you, and forever, that you do have, as Julie said, Jesus in you, and you are in him you see your life is to is called to reflect his power and i want to talk about that which is nothing like the defeat that we can have on our countenance and in our just our demeanor and our attitude. We are called to be radiant in Christ. Can you understand that? So let me pray again. Father, I want to reign in life. Have we got that? Let's say that together. Let's pray together. I want to reign in life. Lord, your resurrection power belongs to me. Lord, I was not born to live crushed, but to live victory all my days. And can I get a Mm -hmm. having said that we are born into a conflicted world and I this is my grandfather hat on now I would be very careful of cocooning your children in a make-believe world of believing that the world is perfect we do have extraordinary culture of, you know, faith, hope and love, the church has that and I'm sure that you're trying to work that out in your homes, faith, hope and love in your homes but please don't allow them to think that life is just peaches and cream outside there, outside the loving care of your parenting and your home Try and even allow them, even at a young age, to explain misbehavior from other kids and from adverse events in their life. Trying to explain to them that there is bad and there is good. And you know what I mean? So I just, that's my grandfather hat there. Just put that on for a moment. We do live in a conflicted world, and this is the world that we have been born into. We are at war. We never want to concentrate on the enemy or or what the devil is doing, but he is out there and he is at war with us. And in fact, the war has increased uh, more, more openly towards the church, in fact. Can you see that? So I preach this message every now and then. We've been going 27 years. Sorry, I'm a little bit light on my feet. 21 days into and uh, juice is fantastic but it doesn't give you the the strength that you need to hit a hit a a drive 220 meters on the golf course that's my best example (laughs) almost other things I preach a message which is derived from Francis Frangipane, and a lot of these statements I will make is from his classic book written in the late 80s, which I believe was an extraordinary piece of wisdom to the church, uh, apostolic, prophetic wisdom to the church of the battle that we face in this world, even being born again, even being in the church, even when you walk out of this church, the battle. And let me explain it like this. The three battlegrounds, which is the message I was going to preach, but I'm just going to preach on the, the battle of the mind. There are three, the mind, the church, and the heavenly place. So this provides us some insight. And we do need wisdom and discernment to navigate life uh, a, as a Christian. And this is the beautiful thing that we have We have this amazing wisdom from on high in the Bible coming to us daily, and that will allow you to navigate life like you wouldn't believe, amen? That's why you've got to be in touch with the Lord. And so this this message talks about the nature of the battle and the keys to victory to understand this dimension of life. So we're talking about the arenas of spiritual warfare that the maturing Christian will face. Let me say this. Any time the Spirit of God's kingdom is truly manifested in the earth, it will ultimately confront the strongholds of hell. Now, I'll be honest. I believe that's what's happening right now in this church. The Spirit of God is coming Somehow, we with living a lifestyle that is allowing, contributing to a, a visit of God. And because of that, the fire is falling, the Spirit is here. And it is suggesting to people, if you, if you desire, but it is definitely suggesting areas of your life that need to be cleansed and set free. Am I speaking right or what? So that's what happens in a move of God. You just can't have a move of God and it's all, oh, this is fantastic. I'm in a spa bar of God's love. No, you, know, you know, it can be like that sometimes actually. But, but this one is definitely from what we've heard by the consensus of opinion. One of the main attributes of this move of God is deliverance. And people are having people manifested in their church, on the altars, in the car parks, wherever, at home, it's happening. People are being delivered from stuff because God is a merciful God, is He not? And He's doing it quick time. He wants His church set free. Amen. So, indeed, wherever evil spirits have either a foothold or a stronghold, you can expect the overcoming church will be engaged in warfare. Expect also that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's make that uh, a fact. Jesus prepared his disciples for everything, including war. They saw him casting out demons. In fact, he sent them forth doing the same. We see that. But before he sent them out, he charged them to become wise as serpents yet innocent and harmless as doves, Matthew ten sixteen. So statement says, this fusion of divine wisdom and Christ-like innocence is the taproot of all the spiritual victory that we believe in and subscribe to. I say divine wisdom and Christlikeness. likeness Now, I just have to say that I think those two, comp- those two fa- facets, those two elements are probably why that we, this church, are gifted in deliverance. There, There is, I believe, a wisdom that we've gained over the years, but there also is a Christ-like innocence. Knowing this, that Christ wants to return your innocence, to believe in people, to trust, to be more reckless with your love, rather than this, prickly, I don't like that. Yes, that person, I know that they can be saved. Now, your inner, kids are just you know kids are more you know forgiving and they're more engaging but unfortunately through life indeed we defeat the enemy but but wisdom must precede warfare and virtue must come before victory you need to watch this back because i can't keep explain some of these statements but they're powerful proverbs 28:18 says now this is it's funny because Earlier this year, the Lord was speaking to me to do a series, and we haven't done series since COVID, this church, for five, six, seven years. How long? We were doing series. You know, it would take us four, five weeks, we'd do a series on some. COVID hit, and we felt that we had to engage the people in the week, in the moment of what, how they were jerked around, what happened to them. We felt we had to uh, prescribe a medicine, a preach to the people, and like a chiropractor and and help them in that week, rather than do a series, oh, we don't care where you're at, we're going to preach our series. You know, No, we felt we, we were more prophetic, and, and because we are, we're trying to work out where you're at, how life is affecting you, and then we come up with a message, and, and then we realize, what have we preached? What are we layering in? What's, what should I suggest now, Lord? What, what do you want to build into them now? What do you want to deal with now? That's what we're talking about. So, you know what I'm saying? So, this is not ad hoc. This is like a doctor, uh, you know. This is like a doctor, uh, you know, trying to deal with your uh, ailments in a very prescribed way. Proverbs 28, verse 18, Prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. So, yes, we want to deal with the war in our minds, but get some wisdom, get some guidance. By the grace of God, the Lord has allowed C3 Tugra to be equipped to deal with the three primary battlegrounds, the mind, the church, and the heavenly realms. We're just graced to do that. The, that's our testimony. That's what the Lord uh, gave us as our, as our mandate, as, as, our, as our DNA. We always have been dealing with the understanding and understanding the battle in the mind, The battle in the church and the battle in the heavenlies. I feel some people are going, what? The battle in the church? Well, Jesus said in John 17, Father, make them one. Father, make them one. It's one thing coming to church, sitting on a seat. But if you sit there in your individualism, if you sit there in your private uh, life and refuse to become brothers and sisters and be joined together th- by, by the scripture says we 're a, a holy people uh, we 're we're a, we're a holy nation, a royal nation we 're a people living stones built together yeah. that 's where that 's where the man that 's the secret source of of church when you connect with each other and of course the battle is, I don't want to connect with all these people. I mightn't like all these people. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. I like... Reminds me of standing at the counter of the lolly shop when I was five or six and I'd see kids. <laughs> I'll have two of those, one of the, You know, no, but... But guess what? When you are set free, man, you can love anyone. You can love smelling ugly, <laughs> demonic. You can love these people. And you are resilient to being offended. Yes. Yes. Jesus wants to make us unoffendable. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people say, your hair goes back, wow, wow didn't know you thought that about me anyway let me put my hair back in place and and i'll say it again the lord loves you and i love you but you can only do that when you are set free in your mind in your heart amen so why does he want to set me free i just want to come to church and do just do church in a, four walls now he wants to send you out amongst your friends Sports fields, beaches, he wants to send you out to be the radiance of his love, yeah. and 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 people will see it, man. They will see their radiance of that love on you, man. Wow, what's about them? What's what are they into, man? They on a juice diet for twenty one days. Aren't they? Wow. <laughs> oh, I've just got no time to preach this message. All right. I'll have to pull it up. We even believed as a church that we could save cities. Let me explain. Ecclesiastes 9.14. There was a little city with few men in it. And a great king. This is an evil tyrant. An evil king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Ecclesiastes 9.15 says, Now there was found in it a poor, wise man. And by his wisdom, mm, there's something about this word wisdom. I've bought the books, I'm gonna study it, I'm gonna come up with something. By his wisdom delivered the city. This poor man. Yet no one sorry guys, there's no accolades in this, no, you know. There's no fan club. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. Now, I haven't totally drilled down into that, but God's going to use the nameless, faceless people to do incredible stuff. And if you read on 16 and to 18, it says, wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better than the weapons of our war. Let's declare this, and I'm not going to be able to preach this message today, but I'll bring you to... I'll bring you to a climatic end of where we can all pray together about the battle in the mind. Let me just say this. Let's let's do this one. You will remember. Can we put that up? Is that good? Right. You will remember that the location where Jesus was crucified was called Galgotha, which meant place of the skull. If we will be effective in spiritual warfare, the first field of conflict where we must learn warfare is the battleground of the mind, meaning the place of the skull. Wow. For the territory of the uncrucified thought life is the beachhead of satanic assault in our lives. To defeat the devil, we must be crucified in the place of the skull we must be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Francis Frangipane. I love how Francis, no one knows about Francis Frangipane. He hasn't got a fan club. He's, he's like that wise man. Who's this guy, Francis Frangipane? But his books sustain this church in the early years of his wisdom. So, Satan's domain, the realm of darkness, I'm not going to go too far into this because I need to do the communion. So, Satan's domain is the realm of darkness. Many Christians debate whether the devil is on, on earth or in hell, and uh, can he dwell in Christians or only in the world? Uh, the fact is, the devil dwells in darkness. The devil and his demonic hordes, his minions, they can they can intrude upon us in this place of darkness. I've got a lot of scripture to back that up. Uh, at a late, latter time, wherever there is spiritual darkness, there the devil will be. Whoa! For some, the term spiritual warfare introduces a new dimension to their Christian experience, especially because when we came to Jesus as lost sheep, this just seems so innocent and lovely. What a great philosophy of life to live in this lovely, beautiful sense of Jesus loving me and oh, I'm worshiping the Lord. Oh, my Lord. this is I'm going to give this to my kids. I want my kids in this. Oh, I well, 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 want everyone to know about this. No, it's, it's way more dramatic. And that's why we have the apostles and prophets introducing us to the way more dramatic um, scope of life. So, yes, we're not warriors, but we soon learn to fight. And yes, we were lost sheep. Ultimately, some may never have initiated spiritual warfare, but the fact is the devil has initiated war against us. Do you know what I'm saying? It's essential for all our well-being we discern the areas of our nature which are unguarded and open to demonic assault. And I could quote Jude 1.6, but I haven't got time because it says those minions hang out in darkness, moral darkness. All right, moral darkness, the meaning of yeah, and the light. You have received the light, but if that light is darkness, Jesus said... You have allowed a section of your life to be infiltrated by the enemy. Let me just say that. For wherever there is willful disobedience to the word of God, there is spiritual darkness and the potential for demonic activity. We are not trapped in darkness if we are born of light, but if we tolerate darkness through tolerance of sin, we leave ourselves vulnerable to demonic attack. Did that make sense? Then Jesus warned, Luke eleven thirty five. 35, therefore, take heed that the light which, you, which is in you is not darkness, meaning that you've displaced the darkness. I'll have the light, yes, bring light in here. I'll have some light here, Lord, some light here, put some light there. No light here. No, we've got some issues. We've got some issues with some people and I've got some issues with you and I've just got some issues. No light there. I, I want to deal with that in my private time, and that is darkness. Amen. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm stirring some people. Your spirit illuminated by the Spirit of Christ becomes the lamp of the Lord, though which He searches your heart. So now you have a lamp of the Lord in you as a born-again believer, and it's searching you out. It's searching you out. It's searching your mind, searching you out. There is indeed a holy radiance that can happen from you being a light in the light. But as that light in you is searching you out, it is allowing you to be informed. But when you harvest sin, the light which is in thee is darkness, Satan has legal access given to him by God to dwell in the domain of darkness. And we must grasp, we must grasp, we must grasp this point. The devil can traffic in any area of darkness, even the darkness that still exists in Christians' heart. Now, I was going to tell you about Peter, how the scripture says, Peter, uh, I, I will say that in Luke twenty-two 31, let's just quickly say the Last Supper, and then Jesus said, Someone's going to betray me. And they went, What? Someone's going to betray you? No way. Is it you? Is it you? It's not me. It's you. It's you. And then quickly they turn. And they say, no, but hang on, who's going to be the greatest amongst us? And they started to argue about who's going to be the greatest. And because Peter was the high-profile water walker, he seemingly won this boisterous argument because Peter, he was probably more demonstrative. And in that, something was revealed about Peter, the disciple Peter I'm talking about. Luke 21, 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, this is talking about Peter, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, but when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Isn't that great? Through the sifting, through this, this, as the Bible says, there's one coming after me who will who will, indeed, I baptize you with water, Matthew 3, 11, with with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, whoa, 12, his winnowing fork, his winnowing fan there, but fork is in his hand, he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor, we're talking about wheat on a threshing floor, chaff this way and broken husk that way the wind is coming blowing that husk and old chaff away revealing the tenderness of this beautiful wheat and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather, for, gather his wheat into the barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire who wants to have some chaff burned out of their life amen amen Peter's husk nature was presumptuous and proud. His initial success had made him ambitious and self-orientated. God never entrusts his kingdom to anyone who has been broken of pride. I'll say that again. God never entrusts his kingdom to anyone who has not been broken of pride. For pride is the armor of darkness itself. I will not comply to the light and change and so when satan's demanded permission to assault peter jesus said in effect you can sift him but you cannot destroy him the warfare against peter was was devastating but it was measured isn't that good news it served the purpose of god peter was ignorant of the areas of darkness within him and his ignorance left him open to attack This is what God's doing. He's dealing with the dark issues that are leaving you open to attack. But the Lord would ask each of us, do you know the areas where you are vulnerable to demonic attack? This is powerful, man. In fact, when he reveals the sin in our hearts, it is so he might destroy the works of the devil. Do you remember the scripture? I have come to destroy the works of the devil. People are surprised when they see people... Set free, we should realize the greatest defense we can have against the devil is to maintain an honest heart before God. When the Holy Spirit shows us an area that needs repentance, we must overcome the instinct, the instinct to defend ourselves. I thought this was funny. We must silence the little lawyer who steps out from a dark closet in our minds, pleading, My client is not so bad, your defense attorney. <laughs> will defend you until the day you die (laughs) and if you listen to him you'll never see what is wrong with you in your life what needs to change to succeed in warfare your self-preservation instincts must be submitted to the Lord Jesus for Christ alone is your true advocate am I speaking to someone We cannot engage in spiritual warfare without embracing this knowledge. Indeed, James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So what did Peter get out of this? The outcome of Peter's experience after Pentecost was God used him to heal a lame man. A new humble Peter spoke to the gathering Spoke to the gathering, I'm going to do a humble Peter, spoke to the gathering, not spoke to the gathering in a humble matter, the gathered crowd. And he said in Acts three twelve, he says, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Yeah. Deferring, deferring, deferring.
0: Amen.
1: Peter's victory over pride and the devil began began with the name of Jesus on his lips and it was consummated by the nature of Jesus in his heart. Wow. It's one thing giving lip service to the Lord, but it's another thing to have that consummated unto your heart. The darkness in Peter was displaced with light. The pride in Peter was replaced with Christ. And that's just about my message, and I'll bring you up to a prayer. We don't have to allow this wrong thoughts to take residence in our hearts. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty before God. We refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive in obedience of Christ we lead it excuse me place it before christ let's pray this pray lord jesus in your name i cry out for victory enable me to bring every thought let's put it up yeah this is the pray pray lord jesus in your name tell me when it's up let's pray this together all together lord jesus in your name i cry out for victory Enable me to bring every thought into obedience. Help me not to allow Satan's words to stay in my mind and steal my victory. Amen. Now, let me just say this. Millions suffer from worry, doubt, confusion, depression, anger, condemnation. And those people are probably experiencing a spiritual attack in their mind. The Lord wants us to overcome every negative thought that comes against you. He wants to set you free, He wants to give you peace. Winning the battle of the mind is paramount. Proverbs twenty-three-seven says, "For as he thinks in his heart, so he is." What you think in your mind, you will become. You'll walk it out. It will be on your countenance. And again, I say in Ephesians six twelve, "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood." but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And John 8, 31 says to 32, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I believe the Lord would say to us, will you use your freedom to liberate others in the same way? God is moving in freedom. God is looking for saints and leaders who will use the freedom to liberate cities and regions and nations. Before I get into the prayer, I subscribe to the Facebook page of my church. I was christened in 400-year-old church in South Wales. And there's no one younger than 60 years of age in there. But the church has been quite full of older people uh, coming to church every Sunday And uh, worshipping God. Well, last week, they must have went on an outreach. And there they were in the town square, all sitting down, of course, because they can't stand up for too long. And there was the, the younger person on guitar. And there must have been about 25 of them, older folks, 70, some 80. And they were doing an outreach in their village. And I had to tick that. I had to say, like. I just... In their last of their days, they've gone public, sitting in the market square, and they were singing the praises of Jesus because they have been set free. Devil, you're a liar. We're tearing you down every stronghold. Every stronghold, we're tearing you down. Let's say this prayer together. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Can we do that one? Okay. Let's pray this together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are areas in my life that I have not fully surrendered to my Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive me of my compromise. I also ask you for courage to approach the pulling down of strongholds without reluctance or willful deception in my heart. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can give out the communion too, by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, I bind the demonic influences that were reinforcing compromise and sin within me. I submit submit myself to the light of the spirit of truth to expose the strongholds of sin within me. By the mighty weapons of the spirit and the word, I proclaim that each stronghold in my life is coming down. I purpose, by the grace of God, to have only one stronghold within me, the stronghold of the presence of Christ. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving and cleansing me from all my sin. And by the grace of God, I commit myself to follow through in this area until even the ruins of this stronghold are removed from my mind. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And the saints say... Bible says taking every thought captive, pulling down strongholds. I pull down every stronghold. I break every chain and I adjure every evil spirit from my life. I am not a failure. I am not a sinner. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I capture those thoughts. I take them captive and I give them to Jesus and I know what Jesus will do with them. I can do all things. We arrest that thought I'm just a sinner and we replace it with a confession of faith which says though I was a sinner now I'm beloved child of God and though I occasionally sin the blood of Christ cleanses me of all unrighteousness 1 John 1 9 another stronghold is fear as you grow in love 1 John four eighteen says there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear This stronghold of fear will be replaced by the stronghold of love. And can I hear an amen? Always remember, victory begins with the name of Jesus on our lips, but it will not be consummated until the nature of Jesus is in our hearts. It is not enough to have your house swept and put in order. That means when I did welfare studies, they had a famous uh, book on um, psychology and sociology. And this famous book was called Even in the Best of Houses. Whoa, what a a strange title. No, it was all about, you can put on all the graces. You can have your lawns mowed. You can have a nice car out the front. You can have a beautiful life, life projected. But behind those four walls, what is happening? And more than often, there is stuff happening that is not good. So, Lord, we know your scripture says, Matthew 24 12 20, it is not enough to have your house swept and put in order. Your thought life must be occupied by the person of Christ. As you hold that, those emblems in your hand, I'm bringing you to a place where we'll receive it. And I want to declare, as you persist in yielding yourself to Christ, we will remove Satan's armor from your mind. He will show you what you need to bring down. You will see the weapons of your warfare are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Let's take the bread together, representing His body's sacrifice for our bodies to be set free. Take that bread. We acknowledge You, Jesus, in remembrance of You. We thank You, Lord, because of the blood Christ's sacrifice makes each of us pure again. And with this emblem of juice representing your blood shed for us we know that this blood is for the remission of sins it is for the totality of health it is for our bodies to be made whole this blood every drop Lord you shed is for our freedom for the tearing down of every stronghold of defense that once oppressed you now you're beginning to replace it with godly stronghold of faith which is built upon the word of God. And we take that in your name, Jesus, together. With the old stronghold exposed and the thought patterns of defeatism coming down, you are destroying the stronghold of failure in your life. Just close your eyes. And as you continue being renewed in the spirit of your mind by the word of God, you will begin walking in tremendous power and peace and you will enter the godly stronghold of faith. Let it be established in your attitudes that the goal and purpose of your salvation is that you be conformed to the likeness of Christ as it is written in Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many. The same Lord who conquered the devil and liberated you in heart, salvation is working still to renew your mind. Who can say amen to that? While it is true that he is our promised land it is also true that we are his promised land. The giants within our hearts, though they have withstood and humbled us, shall not withstand him. He is the eternal Joshua. Oh, don't you love this stuff? The holy one who knows no defeat. Give a hand clap to the Lord right there. And as long as we recognize that our salvation is continual, and I want to say this to someone and all of you, as long as we recognize that our salvation is continual transformation and that we are changing from glory to glory, 2 Corinthians 3.18, into the image of Christ, we should not be discouraged by the strongholds we discover, nor will occasional or momentary side uh, setbacks render us impotent. As we see our need, we rejoice in knowing it is only a matter of time before another giant is removed. Who can say amen to that? Oh, my Lord. One scripture to finish off. Romans five seventeen. Death once held us in its grip, but by the plunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua. Jesus, let's all stand. God bless you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's give Him a hand clap. Oh, dear God. Yes, Lord God, you can come to the altar if you want.